Welcome to The Talk at Revolution, where each week we explore what it looks like to find Jesus and live like Him in a practical way. At Revolution Community Church, we know that we are better together. Each week, we look to celebrate Jesus, connect with others, and contribute to the church, community, and beyond. If you'd like to connect with Revolution or take a next step, please visit us at revolutioncc.org or at our Logansport, Indiana campus located at 3930 East Market Street. And now, we hope you are encouraged and challenged by this talk. So, hey, welcome uh, again. Before we dive into week two of relationship goals, uh, there's some really important announcements I want to just kind of make and, and make sure we're all on the same page and, and we're engaging with these uh, different events and things that are coming up. So first one, Church United is this afternoon at 4 p.m. at McHale Performing Arts Center. Church United is this, this time where the capital C Church of our community gathers together and we worship together. We put aside all the differences we may have, and we say we're united under Jesus. Uh, Jeff Moss, our support pastor, and Matt Pryfogel, he spoke at Revolution before and attended several times with his family. They, they're in charge. They've been leading this event and preparing for today. So, and, and don't come expecting like another Revolution service. That's not what this is. There's going to be parts of it that feel kind of like Revolution and you connect with, and parts of it you may not connect with, because the whole point of Church United is like we wanted to start this thing four years ago because our world is so divided. We are so divided over so many different things. And we, like, we, we want to say, we, like, what unites the church is not a political view. What unites the church is not a worship style. What unites the church is not all these sub-doctrines. What unites the church is the cross of Jesus Christ, and we can gather together and put aside. That's what unity is. Be very different, but we can still be united under Jesus. So, that's what Church United is about, 4 p.m. There's no football today, no excuses. I'll see you there. 4 p.m. McHale Performing Arts Center. And the second announcement, this is for our student groups, and maybe you've heard of kind of what's happening with that. Uh, grades 6 through 12, they're moving to every other Sunday evening starting February 23rd. So student groups is the, kind of, it's like the life group environment for 6th to 12th graders. If you're a 6th to 12th grader in the room, we would love for you to be part of this. Uh, there's a large group environment at 5 o'clock when it starts, and then you break into small groups uh, for 6th grade, junior high, and, and high school small groups throughout the building. So, um, so no more Wednesday student groups. It happens every other Sunday, 5 to 6.30, starting February 23rd. So if you want more information, feel free to use that Next Step card. Stop by Next Steps. Find uh, one of the Next Gen volunteers, especially Shauna and Kate, would love to help. And there's some other cool things that are happening with student groups. I don't have time to share all of them, but I'll share one more. Starting Sunday, March 1st, we're going to reserve a few rows in this auditorium for a student section. Now, a student section, you know what a student section is? Have you heard of this? I think we have a picture of a student section that's going to come on the screen here. Student section. Let's throw it. There it is. And, and maybe you're thinking, if you've been coming to Revolution, like, why is a Purdue student section up there? I thought Anthony was an IU fan. I've given up. I've given up. 
five in a row in Bloomington. I'm kidding. Throw the real student section on the screen. Real student. There we go. There we go. Come on, students. Okay, neutral student section. Throw the neutral students. There we go. Okay. So here's what a student section is. Listen to me. Student section. Uh, if you've ever been to a pro basketball game and a college basketball game, you know college basketball games way more rowdy than pro basketball games. If you, like you've been to Mackey or, or Assembly Hall or whatever, I mean, just like off the charts crazy. One of the reasons for that, there's a student section that kind of leads the way with passion, excitement, celebration. So that, that's the vision of this. Students, sixth through 12th grade, we want you to become leaders in this room and model to the church what passion for Jesus looks like. So Sunday, yeah, go ahead. Sundays are a party. We want our students to lead the way in celebrating. I'm just going to drop the vision bomb. We're going to talk in the coming weeks of how we're going to do this, who's going to help with this, and all those kind of things. So be in prayer about that. We're really excited for that, uh, that uh, addition to our student ministry. And then last quick announcement uh, is our first mobile food bank. So we do these mobile food banks once a quarter, and uh, we serve between 250 and 300 families. We need at least 30 volunteers on these days where we, uh, where we do these food banks. So uh, a week from tomorrow is our first one of 2020. We have about 10 people signed up right now. We need another 20 or so today and into this week to get signed up. And there's kind of two different ways to serve. 8.30 to 10.30 a.m., it's, it's, if, if you're a, someone that can serve during that time frame, it's we're serving refreshments, we're getting to know people, we're mingling and hanging out with all those here. And then 10.30 is where we need the majority of volunteers to show up as we unload the truck and, and we serve the food from about 10.30 to 12.30, 1 o'clock, somewhere in there. And it's just an amazing way to contribute but also connect with other people at Revolution. So you can get signed up right now if you want to be part of this big day a week from tomorrow. There's a QR code on your info card. You scan that with your phone camera. Link pops up and you can, 10 seconds later, you're signed up for this mobile food bank. If you don't have a smartphone or that doesn't work, just go out to Next Steps. They'd love to get you signed up on the laptop out there. So, so those are big announcements that are upcoming for Revolution. I hope that you're as excited and, and you get engaged with this uh, as we go forward as a church. So as we dive into Relationship Goals Week 2, as we talk about the conflict goal, I wanted to get some help by one of my favorite sitcom characters, Michael Scott. Okay, so this is the disputed poster. Now, one at a time... I want you to express your feelings using I emotion language and no judging or you statements. I got this poster for Christmas and I feel I want to see it every day. It makes me feel like the babies are the true artists and God has a really cute sense of humor. Come on, seriously that? I don't like looking at it. It's creepy and in bad tasting. It's just offensive to me. It makes me think of the horrible frigid stage mothers who forced the babies into it. It's kitsch. It's the opposite of art. It destroys art. It destroys souls. This is so much more offensive to me than hardcore porno. Okay, okay, okay. Stop, stop, stop. Let's see if we can't just brainstorm and find some creative alternatives that are win-win. Win. Yes. Thank you, Pam. How about Angela makes the poster into a t-shirt which Oscar wears. That way he can never see it, and whenever she looks at Oscar, she can see it. Win, win, win. No. That's, no. Okay, well brainstorm, own the solution. How about I leave it up? How about she takes it down? How about Angela can keep it up on Tuesdays and Thursdays? Okay, that is called a compromise, and it is style three, and it is not ideal. To sum up, win-win, 
make a poster and a t-shirt. Win, lose, take a poster down, compromise Tuesdays and Thursdays, and the answer is make the poster into a t-shirt. Win, win. Win. Fine. But it is done. Okay, so, so that's what we did, um, and this will not be the only time I wear this t-shirt. This was $15, so there, there will be more opportunities to see this amazing image. All right, so let, let's, let's uh, wake up a little bit. Let me, I need some feedback today as we start talking about the conflict goal this morning. Um, how many, we talked about vulnerability last Sunday, so let's be a little vulnerable together as a church family. How many of you would be willing to admit that in the last two to three weeks, in, in any type of relationship, uh, you know, marriage relationship, dating relationship, friendships, uh, coworkers, maybe, maybe it within someone that was cheering for the opposite team in the Super Bowl and they were obnoxious about it, but you would say in the last two to three weeks, you've had some relational conflict. Raise your hands. Last two to three weeks, we're way more honest than first service. Okay, at least, okay. Last two to three weeks, and, and I know maybe that, that's not ringing any bells, but you're like, I'm, I'm sure I have, right? Uh, okay, so let's be a little more vulnerable. How many would say last two to three days? You can remember there's been some conflict in a relationship. Okay, not as many. Okay, let's see who's real vulnerable. Last two to three hours, like on your way to church, there's a little bit of conflict. All right, that's too vulnerable. Hands down. I think there was more hands on that than the last two or three days, so... Um, so we're going to talk about that today because the truth is, some of you walked in, I guarantee, like you, you're weighed down by something that's created some distance between you and someone you love. And, and unlike the conflict we see in sitcoms, it's, it's not a laughing matter uh, many moments of, of the time. So relational conflict, it can be some of the most stressful, uh, difficult stuff we face in life. It, it causes division. It, it kind of, uh, it, fil- it infiltrates our emotions and relationships and, and thoughts and attitudes and all that kind of stuff. So we're going to talk about it. And as I said before, this is week two. So real quick, let me catch you up. We started this relationship goal series with this truth last week. And I, I think everybody here, whether you've been part of this series or not, we, you would agree the single most important thing in our lives are relationships, our relationship with Jesus and each other. And, and we, we all long for deeper connection in our relationships. We talked about connection last week, the connection goal last week, which is vulnerability without shame. That's the goal. And we looked at this story toward the beginning of the Bible that kind of illustrated this vulnerability without shame. And I gave us like a four-part vulnerability challenge to kind of live out these very practical steps. And hopefully you took some of those steps. And I gave an extra step for the guys that are in a dating or marriage relationship. Does anybody remember that vulnerability step? Poem. Okay. Yes. Write a poem. There's so much inspiration in Google to find, uh, to help with that. So, so I want to see some poems this week, Friday's Valentine's Day. So that was the connection goal. And then uh, today we're going to talk about the conflict goal. And let's, let's just, we started with Jesus last week. So let's start with him again, because Jesus had this really powerful statement to make. He was preaching his first sermon, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, what we call it. And he gets to this section of phrases called the Beatitudes. And in, in the Beatitudes, he, he makes this statement. He says, blessed are the, let's read this, peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And I think Jesus is very clear and specific in this verse with the word he uses, peacemakers. Like, he, he doesn't say that God blesses those that are always at peace. Uh, Jesus doesn't say God blesses those that try to keep the peace. 
You know, just, oh, I, I'm not going to deal with it. Hopefully time kind of gets, like, sweeps it under the rug and we forget about it. No, he says, blessed are those that are about the action of, like, making peace, like doing something to make peace in our relationship. And I think the blessing that comes with this, I mean, there's many blessings, I'm sure, but one of the blessings is the connection goal we talked about last week. That if we're about this process of making peace in our relationships, we have deeper, longer, better relationships, stronger connections in our relationships. So, in the word peacemaker, it, it assumes action. A different translation actually uses these words. Look at this. This is NLT. God blesses those who, let's say it, Work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. So having peace in our relationships, in marriages, in friendships, and uh, with coworkers, and as a church, like it takes work. It doesn't come from time. It comes from toil, work. You can't read the New Testament or look at the life of Jesus and come to any other conclusion than this, that here, here's, the, here's the conflict goal right here, that followers of Jesus are called to be peacemakers. Followers of Jesus are called to be peacemakers. That's the conflict goal. But that is way easier said than done. So we, got, we need to go a little deeper with this today and get a little more practical. And we're going to get very practical. So when you came in today, you should have received, there should be a piece of paper, like a half sheet of paper that was on your seat when you came in. Go ahead and grab that. And everybody's going to need this and you're going to need a pen, okay? If you, there should be several pins in the row. If you don't have one in your purse or pocket, maybe you can find one in a row or even move around if you need to to find a pin. This is going to be so helpful if we all do this together. So hopefully everybody can grab that. And it looks like this, of course. And as I explain this, my hope is that we can all be honest with ourselves. And maybe if you're here with a significant other or even a friend, they can help you maybe a little bit, kind of do some nudges as you're getting ready to make some marks on this. And we're, gonna, we're just going to assess where we're at, kind of what conflict style we navigate to. And, and please listen to me. Okay, hang, hang with me here for a second. Uh, as we, I, I want to walk through and kind of explain each of these lines and boxes and stuff before we make a mark. So don't make a mark until I say go or until I say, okay, go ahead and make a mark so we can stay together on this, all right? So we all have that paper. Let's go back to the, the graph there. Let's, go, let's put the graph back on the screen, please. So if, all the way to the left side of that horizontal kind of axis there is conflict avoidant. So conflict avoidant. If you're here today and you're at this time thinking, why did I even come to church today? You might lean toward the conflict avoidance side, or if you're like, man, why can't Anthony talk about tithing or money, like anything but conflict, then you probably lean heavily to that avoidance side, or if you've ever used the phrase, I hate conflict, then you're probably at least somewhat on the kind of the left side of that vertical line toward the avoidance. So that's conflict avoidant. On the other side, toward the right, is conflict assertive. If you're thinking right now, conflict, bring it on. Like, I will throw down right now. Put me in the octagon. If that's where you're at, you need to calm down, Conor McGregor, okay? That's too much. Because the, the Bible talks specifically about how we should not be seeking conflict or hoping it happens, but we handle it as it just kind of comes into our lives and our relationships. So, so here we go. Where on this line, this horizontal line, would you place yourself? And don't put it in the middle. Okay, we all lean at least a little bit to one side or the other. So do you lean a little bit avoidant or assertive? And just put like a vertical line somewhere on that horizontal axis there. Go ahead. Feel free to talk to the partner next to you if you. Okay, hopefully we made a mark. And, you know, don't think about it too long. Okay, if you're still thinking, think wrong or think long, think wrong, right? So 
So hang with me, okay? So there, there's so many different factors that go into that mark you just made. So many different factors. Personality factors in to that line you just made on that paper. Uh, some, some people just have a personality that is more conflict assertive. Some people have a personality that's just more naturally conflict avoidant. So personality factors into that. Uh, Past experiences with conflict probably factors into that mark you just made, like how well it's gone in the past. Like if you have not experienced good conflict and healthy conflict, maybe that mark is leaning a little bit more to the uh, avoidant side, or if it's gone well, maybe more to the assertive side. And, And another huge factor is how conflict was handled in our families of origin growing up. And this is a really key thing to understand. The, the level of conflict we experience in our home growing up and the ways that conflict is handled, that we're exposed to, is often the level of conflict that we think is normal and the ways of handling conflict we think is normal until we're exposed to another better way, a different better way, like the ways of Jesus. Uh, for, for example, uh, I grew up in a very stable house where conflict was not a regular occurrence. And, and by the way, nothing wrong with conflict. Conflict can bring a deeper level of relationship, as we're going to talk about. But So it, there wasn't conflict every day in my home, but we definitely had conflict. And uh, I witnessed my mom and dad experience some conflict at times. And into our, my teenage years and my sister's teenage years, for sure, there was some conflict. We had some arguments, and there was a few pots and pans that went airborne in the kitchen. And yelling was not a normal occurrence, but it definitely happened in our home. So e- even those of us that were fortunate to grow up in a stable home like I was, with parents who loved us very much, we still grew up in flawed families, right? We, like, our family's dysfunctional today. I mean, it, it, so those past experiences, like, we've had good past experiences with conflict, bad past experiences. So all of that kind of factors in, again, to that mark. And, and you know, how well you've dealt with and processed a lot of that factors into that mark. But here's the thing. There is hope for every single person in this room to move more in the Jesus direction of a peacemaker, so th- we're going to talk about it, okay? So that, hopefully you've made that, that horizontal mark. Now, the, the horizontal axis gauges our willingness to address conflict. The vertical axis assesses how much we actually care. Now, don't make a mark yet, because I think this one's even harder, because like, where you're at on this care line, like high care or low care, it probably depends on what the conflict is about, uh, maybe who you're in conflict with. I think that's a big factor because here, here's the truth about conflict. Uh, the, the closer the connection, the more you care. And that, that's so important to know. Like it, it, just understanding that truth can help us like remove some of the emotional fog. Sometimes we're in the midst of conflict because like if we realize like I'm, I'm so emotional about this, I, I care so much because I'm so connected to this person. I love this person. And that can help us really filter through our thoughts and our words and stuff. But so, so I, I, I understand that this one's hard. Like the care axis is hard to kind of make a mark. But if you can in general, Just try to think through, like, in general, do you have, like, a high care for addressing conflict? Like, when there's tension in a relationship, you can't wait to meet with that person and work through it because you just have such a high care for things to be worked out. Or or are you someone, maybe you feel like you can let stuff go real easy, you don't need conflict, you don't want to, like, kind of care low, you hope time kind of heals, that kind of thing. And if you absolutely cannot make a mark on this vertical axis uh, in general, then think of a relationship that you're in conflict with and assess it based on that relationship. All right? Does that make sense? So, everybody, make a mark on that vertical axis. Care high, care low. It's, and again, either above or below, at least a little bit. Don't put it in the middle. Don't, don't, it's like, that's a cop-out, right? <clears throat> okay. 
So now hopefully everybody's got a couple marks. So now let's, let's, let's kind of talk through these boxes or these, these styles of how we handle conflict. And so, for example, your, your conflict style is the box that has two marks around it. So, for example, if you marked uh, a little bit above that uh, horizontal line toward high care and a little bit to the left of the center toward a conflict avoidant, then the conflict style that you lean toward is peacekeeper. Not peacemaker, peacekeeper. And, and listen, the, if, you're, if you're in that box, the, the peacekeeper cares a lot, but they're oftentimes not willing to address the conflict. Like your heart's in the right place, but you're not willing to address it. Or if you do address the conflict, sometimes the peacekeeper isn't willing to go deep enough into the emotion and the hurt and the, and the, the way, like to where you can truly deal with the offense at the level it needs dealt with to, to, to get that forgiveness and, and leave it behind. The peacekeeper usually has a high concern that the conflict isn't going to go well. That contributes to not wanting to deal with it. Uh, and, and often the peacekeeper thinks that he or she's doing the right thing by not rocking the boat. But oftentimes the opposite of peace is the outcome of the peacekeeper dealing with conflict. Oftentimes the outcome is the silent treatment, living in denial, or even passive aggressive comments that come flying out at different times after it's not been dealt with. And if you're a peacekeeper, again, your heart is probably in the right place. You care about the relationship. You just need a different strategy. Just need a different strategy. And, and Jesus is our model to look uh, to, look to because Jesus was not a peacekeeper. He confronted the crowds. Jesus had a crucial conversation with every one of his disciples, his closest friends. If you read the Gospels, every single one of them, Jesus had to call out in some way and talk something talk something out. Uh, he he uh, embraced conflict with those that were trying to take him out as well. And even in that same sermon that I, I talked about earlier, Sermon on the Mount, here's another thing Jesus said about conflict. Look at this. Uh, he says, and this is really practical, if you enter your place of worship and you're about to make an offering, but you suddenly remember a grudge a friend has against you, look at what Jesus says to do. Abandon your offering, leave immediately, let's say it, go to this friend and make things right. Go and make, not stay and wait, go and make. Two more action words. Like Jesus is like, you, I mean, leave the, I would prefer that you leave the offering here, but he says take the offering with you and then, and then go and make peace in that relationship. High care, high assertiveness. So peacekeeper is not the Jesus strategy, friends. It's just not. Your heart's probably right. It's just not a good strategy. So let, let's speak to the lower right quadrant. Let's go back to the graph. If you placed a couple marks on the lower right quadrant, now hang with me, hold on. Okay, and I know this sounds like a really ugly label, but you won't forget it because of this, so hang with me, okay? And look, look, no shame. If you're in that lower right box, no shame. I hope there's some conviction because that's not where Jesus wants us either. This is not the style he has for us, a way to handle conflict. And listen, it, if you think you might be a bully, you probably are, okay? That's just... And it's, it's, it's good that you want to address the conflict. It's good. But the challenge for you will almost always be to address the conflict with the right heart, the right attitude, and the right words. Addressing conflict is not the problem for the bully. Addressing conflict with care and love and kindness, that's the, that's the issue for the bully. And, and the fuel for the bully in conflict is emotion, high emotion. This is what makes it so easy if you kind of lean toward this conflict style. This is what makes it so easy for you to handle conflict because you're driven by emotion. And, and so here's, here's a verse that kind of speaks of this in Proverbs. It says, foolish people let their anger run wild, but wise people keep themselves under control. 
And so a great prayer, if, if this is the style you kind of lean toward, going into conflict for you is, God, help keep my emotions at a good level. Let, let my words not be fueled by my emotion. Let them not be reactive to my emotion. Just keep that emotion settled. Let me not be driven by anger or sadness or whatever that emotion might be. Let me be driven by love. And sometimes, I know Jesus said to leave the offering and go, right? But sometimes if, if you lean toward this style, you might give it 24 hours to just kind of let those emotions settle sometimes, depending on what it's about. Uh, the Apostle Paul, he gives us a great truth that, that this is the way out of the conflict style of the bully. Uh, Ephesians 4.15, it says, instead, speaking the truth in love. Because for the bully, like, knowing what the truth is, or what their truth is at least, that's easy. But getting it out, spoken out in love, that's the hard part to filter through. So if you lean toward that, there is so much hope. We're going to get to the hope here in just a second. But before we get to that, let's, let's go to that lower, uh, lower left box. Let's throw that next screen on there. So apathy. And hang, like if you're, if this is like kind of, maybe you were assessing one specific relationship and this is where you landed, man, please hear me. Uh, in, in this area of conflict, you probably find yourself low on love, low on energy, low on care, low on desire to even address the conflict. And for all sorts of reasons, you have little hope that things are going to get better in the relationship. And the best word, again, to describe is apathy. You feel beat up, worn down, just, just plain over it. If you're separated from your spouse, you might find yourself here. It's a really hard, tough place to be. But I want to encourage you today. Listen, relationships are worth fighting for. We, we've started with that truth. There's nothing more important in our lives than relationships. Marriages are worth fighting for. Friendships are worth fighting for. Family is worth fighting for. And if you find yourself in this box, you might even want to invite like a trusted spiritual advisor or a counselor into the mix. And if the other person in the relationship isn't willing to meet with that type of an individual, then you meet and start working through the apathy. Because you don't want to stay here very long. Because this can lead to some really ugly spots. You don't want to stay here long. And maybe if you find yourself here because you've been in an abusive relationship, man, reach out for help today. Talk to a staff member here at Revolution. Just put something on that next step card. Only two eyes see that card. It's going to be as confidential as we can keep it, and we will reach out to you. But don't, don't stay in this box for very long. So no matter what your tendencies may be, our goal is to move toward truth and love, okay, toward healthy conflict. And that leads us right back to what Jesus said. Blessed are the peacemakers, the ones that work for peace. And that's the final box here, the peacemakers. Peacemakers are people who speak truth with love. Peacemakers are willing to put the work in that is needed to make peace. So how do we move toward this goal of being a peacemaker? This is where we all want to be. This is the Jesus way of conflict right here. So how do we address conflict in a caring, loving way? So just like last week, I gave us four-part vulnerability challenge. I'm going to give us just four very, very practical things that, that really revolve around how to frame our words so we speak truth in love, okay? So if you're writing things down, this, this is, this is the, the part you want to write down right here. So for minor issues, here, here's the first one. Try expressing a complaint with a solution. Okay, don't, don't just complain, offer a solution. For example, a phrase that's helpful in this is, I noticed and I prefer. I noticed and I prefer. It might sound like this. I noticed you left the towel laying on the bathroom floor again. I would prefer that you would hang it on the hook. And none of, by the way, none of these are from my life. Okay, this is all hypothetical. 
Okay, don't think that. All hypothetical land here, but I noticed, I prefer, that's, I mean, it's fairly simple, right? It's, it's an easy thing to do, but it's so much better than, why'd you leave the towel again on the floor, you lazy bum? You know, I mean, way better because you're, you're attacking the problem, not the person. And another way to say it would be, it would mean a lot to me if you would start picking the towel up off the floor in the bathroom. It would mean a lot. Instead of speaking against the person that did something that is annoying to you, speak to what, would, what it would mean if they changed it. Don't just speak about the problem. Speak about the solution. All right? Second strategy, one of my favorites. It's called, we'll call it the confused strategy. And this is great that we can laugh about this. It adds some humor to a very tough issue in our lives, right? So in, instead of assuming that you know what's going on in someone else's head, and, and, and you've made this story up of you know exactly what's going on in their mind, which we do that all the time, right? Just calmly and respectfully say, I'm confused. Or I'm, I'm just puzzled. It might sound like this. I'm really confused as to why you didn't return my phone call. Or I'm just puzzled by that decision you made. And, and you might follow it up with this. Can you help me understand? Can you help me understand? And I know this seems so simple and easy, and, but what, what I've come to notice is, myself included, we need very practical language to help us speak truth in love. Man, this was so helpful for me. And, and here's the other thing. Like, if, if you and your significant or other are in the room, you're going to use some of this, and they're going to be like, oh, relationship goals. And it's going to lighten the mood. It's going to help. So, so the confused strategy. Here, here's another simple strategy. When, when, when the issue is a bit more emotional than a towel on the floor or a missed phone call, the best strategy is to express how you're feeling. It's, it, and I know you'll relate to this. It's been my experience that high emotion conflict, it's, it's hardly ever just about the issue. It's about the emotion behind the issue. So if your feelings have been hurt, try expressing yourself clearly and succinctly with words like, I feel blank when you blank. I, I feel unimportant when you look at your phone during dinner. Or I, I feel disrespected when you ignore my suggestions. I, I feel hurt when we don't get to spend one-on-one -on -one time each week. And I know we're busy with the kids and it's like, you know, basketball season and all that. But it, it's, it just, it, it's, I feel hurt when we can't spend some time together. And Michael Scott, as funny as that scene may have been, and as wrong as he is with the outcome oftentimes and the decision he makes, he's on to something, right? Because all those strategies he talked about, all these strategies, they start with I statements. Because the only thing blaming does is make me feel better. That's, that's a truth. The only thing blaming does is make you feel better. So don't be lame and blame, Okay? Don't be lame and blame. Let's say that together. Don't be lame and blame. If you remember nothing else, maybe you'll remember that. And that'll just help us like, to carve out these statements in a way that's going to bring more connection, not push us further apart in, midst, in the midst of conflict. We want to address conflict in a healthy manner. Now listen, let, let me be vulnerable and speak, uh, speak about a weakness I have. And I've, I've definitely had in the past and have been working on it for a long time. I used to be horrible at all this. Um, I, I was married at age 20, received my first ministry position, full-time ministry at age 20, and I, I just did not handle conflict well at all. And I, I started out, I knew I, I should do something about these things and deal with issues and confront things, and so I started out as the bully. I didn't even think about what I was going to say. I just kind of guns blazing and just spoke whatever I thought, and, and, and it didn't go well. 
And I started separating relationships and pushing people away from the student ministry I was involved in and just all, all kinds of issues. So then I, I shifted to that other box and I, I became like a peacekeeper. Okay, I'm just not going to deal with it because it doesn't work. Guess what? That's even worse. Like the outcome of that is even worse. So I, it was in a conversation I had with a friend several years ago. He, he kind of helped me think about something. He's like, there, there's a part, like there's, there's a time in your week where you really think about how you're going to say something. And you prepare for it, and you plan for it, and you pray over it, and you practice it, and you prepare, and you plan, and you pray, and you practice. And he asked me, you know, when is that? I said, well, I think you're talking about when I give a message on a Sunday. Because I do. I, I pre prepare, plan, practice, pray. God, I want to speak. I, I take this as such an honor that I get to do this. He's like, why don't you do that with Crucial Conversations? And from that moment on, is I, if, if I'm going to have a crucial conversation, if I, if I know there's conflict within something, I write it down how I want to express it. And that's the fourth way, the fourth kind of practical step. Write it down. Write it down. Like think through, I have a note app on my phone called Crucial Conversations where I frame the, I, I want to frame the truth with love. Because the point of it is not to, I'm right, you're wrong. The point of it is connection in relationships because there's nothing more important than relationships. So how do we speak the truth with love? That's the way of the peacemaker. One of our leadership values at Revolution that's came out of those experiences is we speak the truth at love and we let the Holy Spirit work. Like, of course, it's not ultimately on us if things go well. The Holy Spirit's got to do his thing, but we speak the truth with love. So you have one more step. You made some marks. That was the easy part. Your final step is the conflict challenge. Who is someone that you have conflict with and you're going to work through some of that conflict with one of these strategies we talked about today? And maybe you write their name down. Maybe as we go into these last two songs, you pray about that person. You pray over them. You pray over that conflict. And I'm just believing that God's going to work in this time. As we proclaim some truth through these final songs, as we celebrate, let this be a time where God just speaks. Let's stand together. The prayer room is going to open back here in the, the back left of the auditorium. There's individuals that would love to pray with you. If you just want to join with someone in prayer over conflict, well, let's just sing these truths out together.